Jeez, what's one of the guys from Beast Wars? Beasties. I don't. Uh, I saw maybe maybe a one episode, part of like four episodes or something. Because I didn't catch it at the time. I caught it years later, and it didn't really age that well. You know, mm-hmm. the early computer effects. Yeah, uh, so it doesn't hold up in the same way. No, I, I was, I was, I mean, it looked fine at the time, but yes, I, I was really into it for the for the story. Also, it it it's like goes with my rule of uh, no kids. Oh, good like, point. We, we just want to see like people beat up each other. <laughs> this show is not for the easily offended. So if you are easily offended, go listen to something else. Welcome back, listeners, to Indie Comic Book Noise Special Edition. <laughs> uh, you'll get the joke in a minute. Yes, this is Indie Comic Book Noise doing a, an old-fashioned two-hander con man episode with me, Andrew the Alley Rabbit, and up in the icebox, WWX Kev. Say hi, Kev. It's pretty icy. Why we are Special Edition is con man coverage of the San Diego Special Edition Convention. I had to get on the blower and chat this up, and WWX Kev was available, so it's just the two of us this time. Like I said, special edition version, so, you know, the normal provisos do apply in that Indie Comic Book Noise part of the Deliberate Noise Network. The Deliberate Noise oh, I Network. I you were going to say something else. What, what's that? Well, it's a collection of podcasts about everything you want, you could possibly want to hear about including Sister Show Marvel Noise. You can find old episodes and show notes at IndieComicBookNoise.com. We're on Twitter, IndieComicBookN. We're uh, sometimes, as you heard from the beginning of the show, there that disclaimer, we have sometimes adult language, but only because, you know, the scope of indie comic book are everything. You know, I mean, not exclusively Marvel or DC, but pretty much everything in comic books is indie. The whole industry. And it's related spin-off intellectual properties and <laughs> ancillary rights. I don't think we're really that controversial, though. Like, no. will we talk about Kickstarter doing... Is there something on here? Probably not. No. Nor do we have our own line of... yet. But I'm going to... I'm still thinking of having those empty Funko boxes with the memory stick inside, and then there's just a picture of an empty box on that memory card, and that that that's the whole idea. Yeah, well, I like that they sound nifty. Like, if you say it, I assume that's how you say it. Like, I think that's cool. I like the word nifty, so that's the one thing I do like about... They call NFTs nifty, right? Isn't isn't that like like a car rental service or something? (laughs) It just sounds like something else. 
I don't I don't know. All I know is it's one of them old timey adjectives. Like that's cool, that's nifty. So here's hearing it for nifty. But yes, Andy has returned to the convention scene for the first time and getting on well over a year and a half. Thanks. You know what? Yes. When you you it's funny that your timing of returning to the con roughly corresponds with the with the new variant coming out. <laughs> it was I, I will say there was some trepidation, but I figured I I got my booster. They were having mask wearing as part of it. And at some point, you know, I wanted to kind of get back in and I don't know, maybe I'll come to regret it, but so far it worked out. It was held over the weekend of American Thanksgiving. Yeah, I think after we stopped calling it the Transformer uh, variant, uh, somehow I stumbled into calling it the Omaha the Cat Dancer variant. (laughs) Well, I'm sure they could use the publicity, but yeah, I'm hoping that it's just going to be a forgotten blimp blip. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, they've had other variants, obviously. They don't jump right to O, so fingers crossed. I mean, whoever's listening to this in the future will know. But Australia will know. And their giant monolith that's cataloging human civilization, they will know. But uh, this year, American Thanksgiving fell over the 26th to the 28th. I only went down on Saturday. I was, it's, uh, San Diego is not that far away, but it's not very convenient. It's a long drive. You know, I'm batting at least three hours if there's no traffic. Okay. Obviously more (laughs) for traffic. I had to hear how long it was because when you say it's cold, I'm I'm like, I'm like in, in, like an Andrew cold scale, so I needed to know how long long actually was. And three hours, yeah, that that's yeah. that's a significant piece of time. And that's uh, that's doing it right. Like if you goof and bad traffic or something, like I'm happy with three. That's going. I ended up getting up at like I was out the door at quarter to six that day. Like I was not fooling around. I was lucky enough. Um, uh, Bob Bretall, Comic Spectrum on the internet, the Guinness Book World Record comic who lives down in South Orange County. So he, we, uh, I went to his place and then to tell you how available it was, not only were tickets available at the door, like the week before he was able to get parking at the convention center. (laughs) And it was like just under 30 bucks too, like not a bad rip-off prices or anything. <laughs> that's hotel parking prices. Yeah, so I'm like, that's really good. Like, oftentimes when there's events here, particularly the sporting teams, sometimes you could pay like 50 to to $100 for parking. <laughs> oh, gee. In some of these events, like, they really gouge you. I don't, I mean, I don't know about San Diego. I'm talking Los Angeles, but I was wow. very pleased to get back. Now, I had some... I guess misconceptions about it. What it was, ordinarily Comic-Con is in the summer. It's five days and it's huge. This was three days, significantly smaller. But as near as I can tell, it still had everything. 
like San Diego is unique in that it's an eclectic mix of movies and TV and video games and cosplay and uh, like everything you think of at a regular show times by 10 or a million or a hundred. So it's always, I hadn't been in a few years, but it always left me feeling like, how can I do it all? Yeah. I'm sure it's similar to the big show you go to, Kevin, where you're like, you know, you just don't have enough time. Yeah, it it really depends. Like what you're there for, what your expectations are. I mean, no one calls it a Comic-Con, so that, that sort of uh, kills some of those jokes or um, criticisms. I mean, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, I, I was. I don't, I don't. You can only hear so many of those every year. Well, I I got, I felt really. We made great time. We got down there. The line. We breezed through the line. We wait. We, then they put you in the big holding pen while you wait to be let on the floor. And a Comic Con tradition, at least when I used to go, was they actually open a little bit early. So uh, they have announced times, but. And this was the same, a half hour before it's announced time, they started letting us on the floor. And so it was really awesome. It was just fun to be back on a convention floor. Now, for San Diego, it felt weird that the floor was not this intimidating thing that would take you at least a day or two just to walk and really explore. This was a much more pared-back show. So... I was able to walk it the full day. And to be honest with you, when it comes between floor and panels, I'm a floor guy all the way. Kevin, I think you might be in the same uh, ballpark there. Yeah, I think I've went to more panels in the past. But there's certain things. Like, I'm looking for more unique events and, and stuff to go to instead now. And of course... We have that thing, like the sketch duel, where they raffle something off. I always try to hit one of those with uh, other people. Yeah, it was interesting. What, what, it was only in hindsight that I realized that so much of traditional San Diego Comic-Con items weren't there. At the, in the moment of it, I was just caught up with being back on the floor. But in hindsight, when you're thinking back, like, at one point, I realized that Sergio and Mark Evanier weren't there, and Sergio Aragonas, obviously. Then they're, like, such a standard part of Comic-Con. And I do feel like, and I don't mean any disrespect to anybody, but I don't feel they really brought a lot of marquee comic book creators. So I don't want to... I mean, just the ones you're used to, like, Neil Adams and some of the other big names at the time I didn't really miss them I want to say but just when you're back thinking about all these you know normally there's some premier preeminent famous oh it's you know I, I talk about they brought Gilbert Shelton in from France at one point yeah yeah I was thinking about publishers and international creators yeah and so this one while there were a few you know that were well regarded it just didn't seem to have those marquee ones and the publishers was it was weird too i would say aftershock was probably the largest i mean i saw scout there top cow aspen um that's about where what what shocked me most was uh, idw was not there 
Although huh. Scott Dunbeer, I saw him wandering around the floor. Um, so the publisher end wasn't as uh, stocked as I thought it would be. Plus, Aftershock, I I, I, I like the publisher, but their booth seemed very... The big treat, I guess, was these metallic variants. I think they're like $75. Kevin, you're aware of these Ow. things? 70 bucks, something like that. You know, like not the foil, like metallic, like more like a, of a Valiant thing? I guess I wasn't, when I saw $75 for a comic, I was yeah. not interested. You know what I mean? Like I'm not paying that for any variant. I mean, I have some Aftershock books, but that it wasn't even anything that would gather. You know, you see that price and I'm just steering well away from it. <laughs> yeah, and I can't even think of any... Like, if someone was speculating on that stuff just because it's rarity, like, I can't even think of a really an after, Aftershock book where people are like, I gotta get this because it's hot. Like, yeah, I don't... I, it, I couldn't it was even a, tell you what their hottest book no. would be. Like, <laughs> And like I said, I have some and read them and like them, but it was mostly trades and then these rare um, variants. In fact, there were a couple publishers that were doing, or, sorry, booths, selling variants yeah two were related five dollars is a pretty big buy-in though like i know those like those foil ones they have at places but those are more like a 15 30 dollars because once you get to 75 like that's quite a chunk of change yeah maybe they were full i didn't really it was kind of metallic it could have been foil or metal i just uh the that like i said the price point scared me off and there wasn't anything I was... The the other booths that was specializing in that were doing a deal. All their variants were $15, but buy two, get one free. So basically, you know, you're paying 10 bucks a piece. Yeah. Uh, I didn't... I've, I walked through, but it wasn't anything. I didn't buy any. I mean, I'd have to find three, and that's probably steeper than I would find. I mean, I'm sure I could have found three, but... As you know, Kevin, there is so many... I mean, I don't even know how you track all the variant covers. <laughs> that, there was a year when I went to one of the shopping cons where it was like Variant Alley. It seemed like there was just like a hundred boxes of variants and they're all like a dollar, two dollars. And I was like, wow, that was the year of the below out the variants. And now... <laughs> And thinking about that, like now some of those variants have actually went up. Like there's a few of them. Of course, you know, you wouldn't have been able to know. But it was just crazy that year. I was just like, yeah. And that's why people are like, oh, too many variants driving people out of the. And I'm like, to even know about these variants, like if you're a casual, even a regular reader, like there's things you're just never going to see or never going to know about. And no. like it doesn't matter if you don't know about them. No, I mean, I'm aware of their existence, but there are so many, and so many subtle, like, with the trade dress, without the trade dress, or they take out the color, or all these things that, I mean, if you're looking at them, you could tell, but if I saw it by itself, I wouldn't know that's a, you know, oh, this one is black, well, maybe they did a black and white one this year, or this one has a different store referenced on it, or whatever, but... Yeah, the store variants are pretty crazy or then even conventions start like selling their own variants on their website 
or they'll like Marvel even had that little thing with um, a Carnage event. I know, I know Marvel, but like they put blood, a little blood splattering on the logo. And I'm like, that's how you were supposed to tell the difference. <laughs> like even stores could just be putting that on the sh- shelf, not even noticing. No, I, 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 I like to look at them, but like I said, I just didn't find three that were going to wow me because that's obviously a deal where you need three. I could have yeah. found one or two maybe, and I also wasn't looking to buy a ton of that sort of stuff. I ended up with a small stack of books. Uh, luckily, yeah, it's usually like a very specific artist that I'll be looking for, or I'll just see something like when the dollar ones. It's like if you see like a dollar yeah. handbag thing, like that's just a hilarious purchase right away. Dollar handbag variant. I'm like, I'm there. Or even if it's the cover, you know, five bucks or whatever. I've bought a ton just because it looks funny, or I need that comic. But I'm also trying to be mindful of not double dipping as much and stuff like that. <laughs> Uh, as we all like to joke, Andy often buys the same book. But I really am trying to get hard enough getting rid of these things. If I got one copy, if I got two copies, that doubles my problems. But luckily for the show, Funko was there. So they <laughs> absorbed a he- cool. like one end of the hall was just people. You lined up and I guess it was some lottery to get a chance yeah. to. I, I don't. I'm not a Funko guy, but it was good. They bring that energy, you know, lots of fans and excitement and all that. So I'm glad they're there because it gave like that was a marquee thing. I guess that reduces the people running to the booth if they're just going to all go into a lottery instead. Yes, I I would imagine. I think in regular Comic-Con, it made more sense. I don't I mean, maybe they needed it for this one, too, because they yeah. did have a very long line for that lottery, but. You know, I'm glad they had a piece of a way to sort it out so that, and like I said, the people seemed happy and you're into that thing or you're into it, but you can also buy them, like not the show exclusive, but there were tons of vendors selling pops as well. There was a a, a good chunk of vintage toys, which was surprising. There was no one that I saw that was blowing out the kind of cheap modern. It wasn't really that type of shopping show. Yeah. I was wondering if, if someone would have like extra stock or something from not being able to do shows, but I I haven't really. Those vendors ended up the next weekend at Los Angeles Comic Con. Yeah, that. that's what I was thinking. <laughs> that seemed to be more of a shopping show because when I was there, I heard a lot of vendors talking about going to both shows and from friends. I didn't go... This is my first year not going, I think, to LA Comic-Con. But the people well, I know that, that went had a good time. That was the same weekend as Emerald City, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it was the same yeah. weekend as Emerald City. But it looks like that was the place where people were, you know, blowing out your... Well, this is an indie. It's a reference most of us know. Your Eternals, Marvel Legends at 12 bucks a pop and those kind of mm, things. Yeah. Uh, just that's where you're going. And more dollar... Uh, boxes. There were a few at the San Diego show. And I did end up buying one expensive comic, the Fantastic 435. What was funny is I was looking at Sandman first appearance. Is what is that 4 or 9 or whatever it is and uh that's a very expensive book, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> I don't know if you're buying even like in ratty bad condition like it's crazy. 
So I ended up, yeah. I'm like, you know what? This is affordable. It's way cheaper by like a factor of 10. It's a Kirby FF. I like the cover. And you know what? I gave the guy a treat. I just paid the price he asked. Because he had that look like it was the end of the day. And I don't think he <laughs> wanted a round of like back and forth. I'm like, well, I could grind him down five bucks to one end. Like this guy, you know, he's here giving up his holiday. Let's give him the extra five bucks. Like, and so I gave him his asking price and walked away with a nice book. But on the indie side, I did buy a bunch in, um, the small publishers section actually had more books than the artist alley, which had a lot more of Hmm. other, you know, pins have come back, Kevin. Are they a thing in Canada? They're a thing down here. Oh, yeah, usually at, like, a TCAF, there's, like, hundreds of pins. And people like putting pins on their backpacks and everything. Yeah, I don't, uh, I'm not a pin guy, but, gosh, uh, there were so many booths of pins and artists selling pins and things. Been, and the the gaming is still there. So, dice and different games and, you know, tabletop, tab- the actual tables you play on and stuff like that. That is still a robust vendor activity. The big Mahjong tournaments are going on there? I don't know about that, but certainly all these weird... Um, I think not just role-playing, but also the tabletop board games. Yeah. And I, I I was glad to see it. I mean, I know they'd burst onto the scene a few years ago in a stronger presence, but they're still big. Plus a few other vendors of... You know, like I said, the pops and the shirts and that stuff is still still around. But the comics, a good showing. I was a little sad, not as much original art dealers. The only people I saw were the Heritage Auction at mm-hmm. a booth. Um, yeah. And I always enjoyed seeing, you know, the guys that show up with just portfolios full of Kirby and Ditko, the big silver age twice-up pages, you know, just... Or they just have like a bunch of pages on display and yeah. some kind of fancy unit. Oh no, no, that's heritage. I'm talking about the guys that just have literally those Itoya portfolios. Yeah, just rammed yeah. with uh, you know Kirby, not like the prime splashes, but good pages like way past my budget. Which is nice to kind of flip through them and see all this great twice up silver age art and so that was there but you could shop a lot for old books and new books like i said i made a good collection but it was just a strange show or maybe it was just strange being back in the flow i don't it's know it's always strange being back i mean it was good seeing friends we all went out to lunch so that was like a nice moment it was nice driving down a lot of it with Bob and driving back. It's nice just to have, you know, those people that you talk about comics and talk about everything. And the comic provides the focus, but mostly I walk the floor on my own, I want to say. And then I would run into people. The other weird thing is in the eating areas, people are taking off their masks to eat. Wow. And then you're like, well... <laughs> I guess we're just pretending that there's a magical bear. But the mask compliance was awesome. Like, everybody, except in the eating areas, people were wearing their masks everywhere. So it really was heartening that way. But then you're like, well, if all the people are eating right there, then 
But, you know, look, we're all kind of wherever yeah, we're at. <laughs> yeah, it was just funny that it was on the same floor, so that made it <laughs> like a funny... I mean, maybe it'd be a low-risk exposure setting. Yeah, like maybe they could <laughs> funnel the food people off. But it was just weird to walk through sections that are normally mobbed, and there was no one there, nothing there, like on the backside. I did walk by one of the off-site activations the peacemaker the dc tv show had a little thing with like free food and an obstacle course and john cena was there at various moments too so i walked by it but normally that comic-con is filled it's not just the convention center it's all the stuff around it and the hotels and it kind of takes over that part of the city yeah, wouldn't you have, like, little cons outside the con? Yeah. Like, one year was a trickster and all that different stuff? Yeah, yeah, and um, I'm trying to remember the ones, the name of the actor had his own little mini convention that he would have, and in all the profits, I think, went to charity. Um, I can't remember the name. Uh, Bad Andy, but that was that used to be, that would be at the baseball stadium last time I went, and yeah. they would have it, like... You know, it didn't cost anything, but you could go there and just... They had booths and programming and stuff, so... It really is this monstrous thing, and so... Yeah, it was just strange, and the autograph section was not as... Yeah, yeah, but it was awesome. I'm so glad I went. It was great just to be back in the swing of it, even if it felt weird. I did go to one panel about the history of Comic-Con, because it started in, like, 69 or 70 with the planning... And it's nice that there's a people still alive. Like, I'm glad yeah. they're documenting it. You know, better to do it now while there's still some of those people around. I guess there's some related podcasts and books. I don't know, it's strange how it seems ancillary. Like, so many of the people I went to were had their Kickstarter stuff there. Like, I even <laughs> bought some. Like, it seems like Kickstarter is now kind of your indie publisher. <laughs> and then you... <laughs> And then you bring your stuff to the show as well. But you sell it cheaper at the show? I don't know. I only <laughs> bought one guy's. The uh, and I think we've talked about Cagno was there, and so I bought the few in the cursed Shadow Nation, one of their trades. I was like, wait, I know you guys from Kickstarter, and they're like, yeah, <laughs> we do well on Kickstarter. So it was, I think Steve might have reviewed this or one of theirs. So I did buy a few of those. And then other ones were just random. I bought another English adaption of a Dylan Dog story. Because I mm-hmm. enjoy those that I've discussed. And then some kind of 90s parody stuff. A 90s feeling. I guess that's the nostalgia we're up against. So I'll have the reviews of these books like in future episodes. But this is just to kind of get down what was San Diego Special Edition like. Glad I went... As noted, it seems like maybe the Los Angeles show, which technically is smaller, was bigger this year. But I did not go to that. But it was good just to kind of be at a show where I could take it at my own pace and spend all see some friends. Because I knew more people at the San Diego show, I think, than went to the L.A. show, which was another deciding factor. Yeah. You know, some of this is about hanging out with your friends. Yeah, I guess I was the first to return to cons, but I also went to the smallest one compared to the show you went to and the show Super Steve went to. Yeah, I wonder if how Baltimore stacked up 
numbers wise against San Diego. Yeah. Because it would be normally, you know, saying it was still pretty monstrous, but I really think the holiday weekend is what sunk them as far as getting the attendance, especially because I guess people are like, well, the show's happening next year, you know, barring some whatever. So they'll just save their powder for next year. As you said, the weekend after the same weekend as L.A. Comic Con was Emerald City. Yeah, like they were all well. We knew this that everything would be crunching into each other. Like there's no way to avoid that. Yeah, and then we still have upcoming. I don't know if the show will make it out in time, but the Comic Con Revolution, which is in Ontario, oh, yeah. but Ontario, California, Kevin. It's a city down here. <laughs> I know. I've, I've noticed some vendors will be there, so. I mean, I usually check out videos and stuff from uh, some of these shows. To, you know, sometimes I just want to see, hey, how's the crowd? Uh, what wall books do people have? You know? Yeah. Oh, I'm. I'm. Thing. I have a rollover ticket, but I don't think I'm going to make it. Putting hmm. it the weekend before Christmas, and it's a bit of a drive for us because it's kind of inland. Makes it a hard. It's a hard to give up the. Even though we're not doing a lot. It's hard to be like, hey, you want to give up your weekend before Christmas to <laughs> drive out to Ontario and possibly catch a dangerous disease variant? <laughs> but that's going to be it. They, they always bring in a couple of big comic book people to kind of anchor the show, plus there'll be some good shopping. I just don't. And I'm also telling myself, look, next year we're going to hopefully get back into more of the swing of it and be able to really really do it so don't kill yourself no pun intended this year yeah i had a great time bought some books saw my friends sort of remembered what it was be like to be on the floor you know that thrill when you're like wait well you're different you're a vendor you don't they just let you in whenever you want but for us peasant types who are waiting (laughs) waiting waiting in that line and then it was it was definitely comforting uh, being able to get in before all the crowds and all the people and just be there. Like, I don't know how I would have felt like gathering and being in a lineup and all that. Like, I'm happy I didn't have to go through any of that. There wasn't distancing there with everyone wearing their mask. And because, like, the room could have held three or four times as many people. I guess Friday might have had more people than Saturday. Yeah. Because I have a feeling the people that were super couldn't wait where would have gone on that Friday. So I wonder if for once in all of history, the Saturday was actually, you know, not so much worse than the Friday. <laughs> yeah. So did the panel have seats? Because I know yes. the like the Fan Expo one had people stand up. No, this had seats. Uh, it's the only one I went to. It was in one of the bigger rooms. It was in an A-B room, which is where they... You know, those things are modular, so it was two rooms put yeah. together. So there was space. I mean, I sat next to Bob, but there was no one. I mean, I don't think they were six feet away because the rows. Yeah. But it wasn't like they were right on. You know, we weren't jammed in because they had enough room for people to kind of spread out. But I was, I shared a car. I mean, I know he's vaxxed, and we also rode in a car up for hours. So <laughs> I was pretty much figuring um, if he's got it, you know, I'm. Yeah. Not going to get it at the show floor during a panel. 
Yeah, it's so weird to think about that stuff. But that that thrill of being on. The problem is that they let us in through Artist Alley, and half those people don't show up that early. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I kind of skipped it. Bob had a good idea to go to the back side of the convention and work back. And that way, by the time you get back, Artist Alley is popular. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you're walking through, especially because they open early, like you just see like every third table is empty for waiting for the, the people to set their stuff up and everything. And I get it. Look, why get there super early to get one possible set? You know, you're going to be there all day, so... And you don't have as much kit. It's not like you're, you know, selling eight long boxes of hmm. wall books and all that stuff. So I do understand, but it always makes me laugh that they're at. But, yeah, it was a fun, fun, crazy, weird to be back on the floor. Walking around, buying comics. So when's your next show then? Like, what... I don't know. How long until you're hitting that floor again? I've, I'm guessing if Long Beach is still doing their expo, that'll probably be the next one then. That's traditionally like February. Yeah. The Star Wars one did get continued, so I should be going to that in the spring. I don't remember when that is. That's not strictly a comic book show, but it is a big con. And then WonderCon will be also in the spring, I believe. So, Oh, Got shows next year. WonderCon is put on by the same people that do put on the San Diego show. But it's always been... That one's always been, like, a smaller... But that one should have good... Good shop... Better shopping. But that was fun. Like I said, I didn't need to buy a ton of stuff. You know, I'd have to haul it all around anyway. So I was fine. Yeah. Just having a little stock. I did go... I don't know if you know what Gundam is, Kevin, but I didn't. <laughs> yes, I know it's not that song. So, Yeah. <laughs> It's these uh, Japanese robot models, and they had a oh, pop-up. Transformers? Yeah, like that. And <laughs> I waited like five minutes in a little line and got in and bought a bunch of the models. They were so wow. cheap. I bought a $10 one that's like six inches when you build it, and a little $5 one that's like a three or four inches tall. And I told the guy, I'm like, okay, I need the most basic, simple model. <laughs> It's like, well, this one just needs painting. And I said, no, you don't understand, sir. <laughs> Basic and simple. So he got me like the eight and up one. And it's great. It's like <laughs> they have uh, four or five different colors plastic in it. So when you put it together, it's got color. And I guess it's the main Gundam who's like a plane that turns into a robot. And mm. this is the robot mode. And what's kind of cool is while they're a little snapped together, the arms and everything are on ball joints. So they have limited range of motion. I mean, it's not yeah. like a, it's not like your McFarlane figures, Kevin, or something like. It doesn't well, do that, but you can pose them. You know, <laughs> everything is jointed, and I was like, that's pretty impressive for a model kit that also has some posability. Like I was yeah. really, and I was able to put it together, and it didn't look. It looked really good. The the one the little guy was a little bit harder to put together. And so, I mean, considering who McFarland took over a toy line for, yeah, they might have a few joints now. <laughs> so, but yeah, I just, I never put together, like when I was a kid, I did the models, mostly the glue kind, a few snapped together, but they never had, like the cars might have tires that move, but they never really had much in the way of 
moving parts. Maybe a door would open or something, but I was very impressed that they do these little ball joint things. And I don't know, it took me 15, 20 minutes watching TV and putting it together. I, I was just really, it was cheap. It was fun. It looks cool. It's, I'm like, this is great. 10 bucks. Like, that's the cost of a variant cover comic. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, so. not the cost of uh, other action figures that uh, no. build and everything. <laughs> no, those, those are definitely more expensive too. Uh, more part, they have more points of articulation. I will give them that, and more accessories. Yeah. But this guy has a gun and a shield. Yeah, I was really pleased. I don't know if I'll buy a ton more, but if I keep it to the simple, no glue, no paint stuff, I could see me building some more and just. Yeah, like like I said, the price point surprised me. You know, we're into collectibles. We're used to everything being way too expensive. Like, <laughs> limited edition, only thirty nine ninety nine. Get it now. Well, yeah, everything's a limited edition, right? Because it's not unlimited. Yeah, the print run is whatever the print run is, and after that, you're looking at that second run, third run. Who knows? That facsimile edition. Ugh, that that seems crazy, these things coming out. I also love going online because everyone's flogging the facsimiles and they bury it somewhere in like the fifth paragraph down. Uh-huh. Like, why are they only selling this book for $20? Oh, that's why it's only $20. <laughs> because it's really a $4 book that just came out. But yeah, because the, uh, again, not strictly indie, but the first appearance of Miles Morales, I guess, just got redone the facsimile edition of his yeah like so i have that, i have like no interest for like modern age i shouldn't say there's very few modern age like within the last 10 20 years facsimiles that i would ever want but kevin you can sell it to unsuspecting people as the first appearance <laughs> appears to be the otherwise i don't know why this book is like a 20 it just came, it's a facsimile i think that just came out or something oh boy but hey that's it's worth what it's worth so if you want to hey i paid a bunch for an old comic that has uh that looks old as heck and has 12 cents on the cover so what do i know yeah, some people pay big money for previous catalogs, so... Yeah, I well, mean, well, part of it was just a realization standing there, why I don't mind buying these old FFs or old whatever, because I'm like, you know, I don't think these things are going to go down in price anytime soon. That's the funniest thing, like, they say, oh, this this thing will crash or whatever. I'm like, if some of these things go down, like, 50%, I'm still not going to be able to afford <laughs> it. Like, it would have to go... It would have to be like everyone has stopped making comics and no one want these for me to ever like be able to afford some of these things. Well, that's so I'm like it's it's good. Oh, that the, those are the, I'm not talking the modern new hot books where it's like, hey, this is the first appearance of Doctor whatever the woman from the Tony Stark book from a few years ago. And, uh, yeah, I, no, I mean like the 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 classics. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, the Silver yeah. Age. So I'm yeah. like. These books, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, it was cheaper years ago, but you want to know what? They're not going to get, if I want it, buy it now because yeah. five years from now, it's going to be more expensive. Like, there's no reverse button on Silver Age old books that I know of. I don't know. Maybe 
it'll drop out but i just feel like those are kind of locked in and i'm not even getting like as you know i don't i just need complete copies that's my big question is it complete yeah Yeah, it's funny some guy had avengers number two for two hundred dollars and i'm like okay what's wrong with it and so he (laughs) took it out and it was missing a bunch like you know part of the cover part of paid no the cover was okay like half of page one was just cut off completely oh so you didn't count the pages oh he just showed i made him take it i'm (laughs) like please take this out and tell me what's wrong like you know avengers 2 for 200 dollars. no one is you know what i mean like yeah obviously there's something wrong with it no one's selling it for that and the back page but a non-story was missing and part of the first page which is story and then he wrote that on the backing board so he would know in the future but i was like yeah i mean you see that you're like yeah no one's that's not a 200 dollars book because i was kind of curious about because i was i almost was tempted i'm like you know what i'm never gonna get avengers number two <laughs> Like, yeah, it's beat up and it's missing a page or two, but do I want one just to have it? And I passed on it, but it was it was tempting. And like Maybe I said, you find one for 200 Kevin, you uh, <laughs> a complete uh, unmolested one. You let me know. I mean, if you would have if it would have been a Didco thing, maybe you would have been even more tempted. Oh my god. Yeah, if it was like any of those first 12 Spider-Man or whatever, yeah, I probably would have bought that for sure. None of those things are, I mean, towards the end, you know, in the teens, you can start getting them for a couple hundred bucks. But those first, like I said, that first Sandman, I think it was this completely chewed up copy. It was complete, but it was 900 bucks. I mean, yeah. Well, I talk them down to what, eight, 700, like it's still (laughs) ridiculous. Like it's still out of what I want to pay. I mean, look, could I buy it? Yes. But I just, I think I'd feel weird about it you know what i mean i don't know how much i could buy a comic book for and feel good about myself (laughs) is there like a limit i mean not assuming you're gonna flip it but do you where how or if you don't feel like answering after but how high do you think you would go for like a book for your own personal like not reselling uh it it would have to be a very specific series and a very important book. So, I mean, if I ran into like a 0.5, yeah, like a, like an early Ditko Spider-Man, like, yeah, I, I, could... I mean, that would, a decent chunk of change, I think. Yeah, I, that's, I'm about, that might be, I don't know, maybe four or five, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I could. Because the problem is they're always going to be incomplete at those prices. And then, well, that's that's what I mean. Like if it's a zero point five, you would almost have to have like it would have to be graded almost right away because I'm like that's going to be falling apart in your hands. So. <laughs> exactly. Well, I've I've long time. I'm always like, hey, I want to look at that. I always make the dealer. I'm not fussing with those things. Like yeah, yeah. If it's some. Um, $40 book, sure, but like hundreds of dollars? No, I'm not putting in my hands. Um, you go ahead and take that off the rack and tell me what's wrong with it and show me and all that stuff. I'm not... I don't want I don't want to touch it till I'm buying it. Yeah. 
Isn't it funny? Like I was legitimately thinking about a two hundred dollar book that was like missing pages. <laughs> Craziness. But yeah, it was fun to be that part of it is fun again. To be back on the floor looking at ridiculous books that you're probably not gonna buy, but maybe you will. But you're probably not, but maybe. Like you were looking at what was that that um the place that had like the was it the electro? Oh yeah, a torpedo that had yeah. like the nine point eight. They won like a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, those are so. I mean, that's how you know everything's getting pressed nowadays. Like, <laughs> no one's just finding all these silver age books that are suddenly super high grades. You know. Yeah. Oh well, I've been telling people, and I don't know if I should announce this publicly, but I tell people now I wouldn't send any books to get graded without uh, contacting one of those people and having them either use their CGC will do it or use your own guy. Like, I got a few referrals from people. I haven't done it, but if I was going to, it seems foolish not to. I mean, I submitted those books years ago for fun, but if I was going to do it today, I would. In fact, I've been somewhat tempted to crack some of my old low-grade Ditko Spider-Man and see, like, if someone, you know, if I took it to a presser guy, like, you know, the difference between taking your four and turning it into a five is not insignificant for those types of yeah. books. But, I think it's easier to get something pressed rather than someone be tampering with it to, like, like if you have a folded page or trying to, like, buff something out of the, or, like, glue removal or, like, some kind of a not not like a restorative thing, but right. sort of like that borderline stuff. Yeah, like where you're like, oh, this is horribly dented. But if we remove all the dents, like that's that's with all the different paper quality and everything, like a pressing is seems like way easier and simpler. Yes. Well, it just seems like the minimum. And I've been learning. I don't know how much of this is true, but it seems like there are a bunch of other things you can do to maximize your grade attempts. Uh, mainly, I get this from watching dealers on YouTube talk about all the ways <laughs> to, like, game CGC and everything. And, uh, yeah, it certainly, look, it may, like I said, it makes a couple of grade bumps make a huge difference in some, especially for the newer stuff at the high end, you know. You turn that 9.2 into a 9.6 or 9.8, you're really going to see a big return on that, but... They had some of those. I do look at the CGC, but I'm mostly buying raw, to be honest with you. I don't know. I haven't bought a CGC book in a while. Yeah, I, it would have to be a specific circumstances where I would buy one. I know you were trying to get me on the train years ago. <laughs> it's It was just something fun to do. Back then, it was It was. I mean, affordable. the shipping was crazy, but even with... With the absolute insane shipping sometimes, like, it's still, like, the things I got were things that, like, I, I couldn't buy <laughs> right now. <laughs> so, yeah. so well, I mean, it still worked out, but at the time, I was just like, yeah, this is fun, but, man, like, that that's, that's a whole other level of hobby and everything. Yes. Well, the other thing I'll say to people is talk to your store owner 
or maybe another one in your town. A lot of those guys routinely send shipments and everything, and sometimes you can work with them. Yeah. If you're a customer, and that can make a big difference going through a store versus on your own. And also at the shows. I I'm did not see surprised. them there, but that's how I handled it, is I went to the shows and gave my books to CGC and CBCS at the show, and you save shipping that way. Yeah, they, there, way. there's some of these places send so many books, and I'm always like, wow, that's a lot of books. Yeah, cons- and I've learned from these guys, you don't want to... You usually don't mix different grades. You also don't mix different eras that much. You try and send kind of roughly from the same time period that are roughly the same grade. But if you're sending books to be graded every week, that's not a problem, you know. If you're a dealer, you've got books moving in and moving out. But it's funny because they'll also crack them and then resubmit them and do th- to prove their points and everything. It's always fascinating to see. And that's a good bit of change, but if you're, you know, it's your business, it's worth doing it. But it's funny how we get into all these offshoots of the hobby. <laughs> but yeah, I I don't know. It's interesting. Comic books are expensive, kids, so you can still get great deals in small publisher section in Artist Alley. Buying people's books. I'll feature a bunch later on. I always like doing that. I thought you could only enjoy the hobby in one way. Or at least that's what sometimes you know the YouTube algorithm. You'll be you'll be watching something <laughs> and you'll be like, "Ah, oh, these are some cool videos," and then you'll venture a little bit off the path, yes. and then you'll start getting like these recommendations for why comics are terrible. And then you're like, "What video did I watch? What <laughs> happened?" Exact. Yeah, I do wonder. They do. I think that just some of those channels get so many views that they're Ugh. like, "Oh, if you like comic books." You must have absolutely no taste. So why don't you watch yeah, this, this garbage video that's just people saying crap to get attention? I'm I'm still surprised in this day and age where it's like, oh, you have no privacy. Everyone tracks everything, and then I'm like, well, you think they could give you better <laughs> recommendations? <laughs> it does seem like the robots aren't always good at figuring out what I would like. Yeah. Because a lot, of, you're right. A lot of it's like this is not a good. No, and one time I've even wiped out like a history from something before because <laughs> I was just like, let's just start over. <laughs> uh, well, that's uh, special edition was fun. Just a one day. I mean, I I went the full day. Like my panel was at the end of the day. I think there might have been a little bit of time on the floor, but we went back to the floor after, and it was just like. Yeah, let's go to dinner and head back. It's a long drive back to the city. I'd gotten my my taste sated. I don't know. Maybe I can go to... Now I'm thinking about Revolution, but... Mm. Uh, the weekend before Christmas, it's even worse than Thanksgiving weekend in is some it, ways. Oh, for me it is. It's like... Okay. It's like, I really like Christmas. Like, it's a fun holiday, and I like all the... All the accoutrement and feelings of the season. So, it's hard to drive out there. Oh, plus, I also don't know how many of my regular crew will be yeah. there. And that's a big pull on these shows. It's good to see people and be like, hey, what are we doing? What's going on? Who wants to go get lunch? Then you end up at like a two-hour lunch hanging out. Mm. And you're like, we're missing the show. The other thing I will say, the only... 
what might have hurt it is no single day passes. You oh, bought that a was, full yeah. Yeah. boat. So that was a big pill to swallow, but worth it. Look, normally when I used to go to San Diego, it was hotel and all this other stuff. So I can eat. I mean, mind you, I think I was the only one that bought a pass. Everyone else was there on press or professional or anything <laughs> like that. But maybe I can burnish my press credentials. What do you think, Kevin? Well, I, I, I think this qualifies, right? <laughs> Aren't we uh, professional here at Indie Comic Book I, I don't know. It's kind of like one of those things where you're like using something like Twitter and then like in the options where it says, Twitter professional, and it's like, oh, I can be a professional. <laughs> yes, I am. But I, I give it a big thumbs up. Obviously, I don't know that this thing will ever exist again. Like, I think San Diego is going to go back to being San Diego. I don't think they have any need to do a small kind of regional show over a holiday again. I yeah, think just I mean... be happy with the big one. Because that's kind of WonderCon's purpose is kind of a smaller show a few hours away like our historical history is that when san diego's going on usually the last two years that's been like the best time of the summer best time but i know what? your country doesn't follow that that pattern exactly so what do you mean the best best time for buying comics or <laughs> I mean, in, in these unprecedented times, the safest time, the best time, uh, is, is traditionally San Diego time. If you're going to do anything during the entire year, if you're going to go crazy, you're going to go outside, you're going to go see people, oh, it's been, uh, I mean, been yeah. around that time. But I'm also, perhaps foolishly, but hopefully not, assuming that... Uh, you know, things are going to get better from that perspective. Perhaps yeah. foolishly, but that's the that's my goal and hope over all the conventions in the world. That's what I'm hoping for. But, yeah, that's San Diego. I, I'm not going to do any books today, Kevin, but I, I do want to give you the opportunity to, to chat if there's any news or books or any coverage you want to do. I know I've dominated the mic here. <laughs> I'm sure we had some other uh, pressing big news to discuss, but uh, I can't really think of anything right now. So, um, well, there's a sad news about George Perez. I'm sure yeah. Steve will put something together for Marvel. He always does very nice tributes. But I want to say I met him at least once or twice. Always like just the nicest guy ever. Always a smile on his face. Seemed always made time for the, you know, whoever's, I, I mean, like I said, only can go on my experience, but never heard a bad word about him. Like I said, happy, great to interact with. Um, I just think it would be like if, if you're doing like, oh, like something that comes up and you're like, I'm doing a final con. Like to me, that would be kind of, kind of creepy in a way. Well, like, it I, could be great. Like it could be at some like grand celebration, but it also like it's. I don't know. Well, what's always impressed me about him is he really liked that part of it. Like a lot, he's a big enough name, especially back in the day, that he didn't need the con. Like he could just 
sell those covers and that you know what i mean it's not like going to a show or he could do commissions via the mail like he's not one of those guys that showing up at a show is going to be a giant way for him to hedge his money you know what i mean so i mean not that he didn't make money but i feel like when you're that level you're probably making more money if you just stay in your studio and do super expensive commissions yeah and so that he made time for fans and was always fun and did those quick commissions and fun stuff like that seemed like that part of it was a part he enjoyed and exposed himself to and always you know took advantage of that and i appreciate that but i'm also glad if you're not the type of person you shouldn't do that as i've always said like if you don't like people and don't like the fans and <laughs> like stay in your studio and do expensive commissions. So, um, yeah, I will say uh, aside from his impact on the medium itself, which is huge and outsized and everyone's going to talk about that as well. They should. I just wanted to say from my limited personal experiences, just seem like a really good person too. And really positive interactions, which I'm always a big fan of, you know, some of us are awkward or have trouble relating or whatever, so it's nice when you meet these people and they're not dismissive or ignoring you or whatever. Not that I'm going to name any names, but uh, you sure. know how it is. We've all had odd interactions with people. Yeah, our, I don't know, sometimes people are just tired from, from a four-day con or whatever, so things are... Not optimal. But I, I will also announce, maybe I should put this on the thing, if you want a, they're offering a free uh, trial to the Manta app, which delivers top trending web comics from Korea. Oh, so not Black Manta. No. Because uh, I went to their booth, I thought it was a T, I couldn't figure out like, is this a TV channel, a web, you know, like oh. it just had, and so they gave us this big flip comic that was really cool. And so like, like a, yeah. like a webtoons or kind of the, the book they gave us is longer than it is wide. Well, that's a regular comic too, but it's a couple inches shorter on each one and you can kind of flip it and it's oriented, um, vertically. So, like, the one panel is above the other, as opposed to on the side. And so the double-page spread reads double-page top to bottom. So you hold it, you know, it's bound at the top. So that made it kind of neat to flip mm. through. And, you know, the manga, it's kind of built to be read quickly, so to speak. Yeah. You know, that kind of breezy. So it was interesting. But it just was funny that I went to their booth because I couldn't figure out, like... Do you sell T-shirts? <laughs> TV channels? This one. But, yeah, if you download the app SDCC 2021 in the search bar for a free trial. I don't know how you feel about Korean webcomics, Kevin. Isn't that, doesn't that have a different name? Like like a like a manual or something? Uh, I'm, I don't know. They just mention, they describe it as top trending webcomics from Korea. Yeah, like I remember Dark Horse had a lot of Korean uh, manga at one time. I don't know if they still do Dark Horse. I feel like Dark Horse is like has a 
what do you call it? like they're they're redefining their their image with 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 everything that's uh well i guess they lost a lot of their licenses and stuff like that too so yeah you're gonna do what you can when you can yeah i mean i have a little bit of an oddity that's like a manga it even says literary but i don't know how that seems suspect i mean maybe it's because because of the publisher or pseudo publisher as the case may be i mean it is glacier bay books but like you look at the back and it has um this thing is also published in english by kodansha so i'm not quite sure what the breakdown is here but it's but it's weird that it's like a little mini comic, but it's like a fancy mini comic where like it has a spine. It's it's hard, like cardboard covers, and the pages are pretty, pretty thick. So. Uh, and this was one of your T calf books, I take it. Yeah, so it's uh, False Stars, the Red Riding Hood's Wolf Apprentice, by uh, Sayaka uh, Mogi. I hope. <laughs> I'll try and look it up. Put it in show notes. <laughs> but it, it's like it's like the mini because I, I I looked up. The, I'm like, oh well, I wonder if these are like stories specific to this, or like this came out first. I'm like, I don't know, but I did notice that there's volumes out from Kadansha of this thing, but I don't know if it's specifically this. Like, like you know how sometimes they would. I noticed with the. That that event, um, local comic shop day, like that Friday was a digital from, um, what's PKV's thing there? Pay what you want. Oh, yeah. the the. Why am I blanking on, on his publisher in quotes? Yes, it'll never be in print is all I always yeah, think of that. Yeah, right. So um, the Friday series there... It went. It was digital, and then now the now the collection's out, right? But for a local comic shop day, they put out a single issue. So I'm like, that's weird. Like, that's an oddity. Like, that's 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 a thing where I'm a, I, like, I don't know if people be like, oh, first printing of the trade paper. Like, if a movie comes out, you know, first first appearance, first sighting, first preview image, or whatever. Like if if you're only and if you, like sometimes people are are like oh those magazines don't count only the comic well that's technically the first comic even though it came out digitally and there's a collection like yeah. there's not really a like a pamphlet comic a single of it but now there is so I'm wondering if this this is sort of something like that too also the print run can't be I mean maybe I'm wrong and. They made like a hundred thousand copies of it, but I'm guessing the print run on that type of stuff is also pretty limited. I'd have to imagine, yeah, because I thought part of the idea too is to like make like limited runs, and then you want to go to the comic shop, yeah. like like look at this. It's a it's a weird single issue, and there's not a huge amount of them. Go get yeah, them. Yeah. Plus the novelty of what you only read in digital, and it's not going to take up a ton of room if you just buy a few. Yeah, so, I mean, 
like this is this is cool as 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 its own like art object type of thing, and it sort of has that style of uh, witch hat atelier. Oh, that's popular. Yeah, so it has that kind of detailed style, and the characters are kind of in that. You know, what's weird is it has this kind of like growth, tree growth, and in- interstitial stuff in between that reminds me of uh, of when you're in art class and you're like, oh, what are you going to do? Like, I-, I just got really focused on small details and just drawing very, very... <laughs> very crazy lines and twisting and like it kind of like the root system and everything in here kind of reminds me of like that type of thing that uh that i would fixate on so when i look in here i'm like yeah yeah like i can dig that i mean like i was into that i (laughs) i was drawing in some subpar inferior way (laughs) like something like that where i'm like yeah i like that i like those details Nice. So this is a uh, mini in size, but a decent number of pages. Uh, you don't this need to is count. About, you know, I think you... about thirty pages. Oh, wow! So that is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like it has two little mini stories in here about two different. Like I thought maybe this is just like a teaser, like a little hint into the the world. And if you enjoy this, like you can definitely check out the volumes. But it's like yeah, it's about. Um, like the world is is divided into three tribes, like human, uh, beastkin, and hunter, and then this is about uh, two people that are together. That one's a beastkin and uh, one's a a hunter, and uh, maybe they would be enemies normally, but in here they like sort of form a family unit. Like one looks after the other, so just rather like simple stories, but. Interesting, nonetheless. Well, if it's good world building, they can keep telling stories in it for as long as they want. Yeah, because like they, it's called false stars, and like they sort of find a star, and they're like, "Oh, we should just like sort of like leave that there." But uh, like the the bee skin girl is more like, uh, "Yeah, I'm gonna bring this home with us," and then the hunter's like, "Well, I mean, their the parents are gonna be looking for it." So, like, you can bring it home, but then put it, like, on the windowsill or somewhere to... So the parents will be able to find, find like, their lost child later when they come uh, searching for them. Oh, nice. So it has a little bit of heart to it. Yeah. Nice. I always like a nice... You know, some, I mean, sometimes you want the weird mini-comic, and sometimes you just want a nice little... Nice story with nice characters. Weren't all exploding or creating weird time <laughs> loops. Yeah. I mean, this was definitely one of those things when I saw it. I was just like, yeah, this look, like the art certainly takes me in. And then, like, they have that sort of like um, foil gold stamping on the cover for the title of the, of the thing. So it's like, yeah, kind of upscale for such a small little comic nice nice all right well i think we will even though i promised a short quick one it's actually turned out to be a regular one but uh, i mean once you get started on cgc i i don't maybe i'll be able to cut some of this out (laughs) deliver on a short one as promised but 
Thanks for listening. Well, wait, Kevin, do you have anything to tell us? Uh, Drock, Rio needs that vaccine. And boosters. Stay safe, everyone. Hopefully, hope Hopefully, you know, like, this won't be the last one before the end of the year. But if it is, see you in the next year. Thanks. There's no way this is the last one. <laughs> we don't know that. This is true. There's that big old loop. Now, look up. Way up. And we're on our way to the castle. I'll hurry over first and go in the back door so I can let the drawbridge down and open the big front doors for you. Are you ready? Here's my castle. chair for two more to the left end. Someone wants to rock a rocking chair in the middle. There. Now, hook up. Way up. And I'll call Rusty. Rusty? Hi. Hi, Rusty. Hi, family. How are you? I'm fine. How are you today? Good, good. Where have you been? What have you seen or thought about her?